Two movies enter, one movie leaves. Today, on this very special episode of The Great Movie Showdown, it's an actual showdown. Courtroom-style Pocahontas versus Inside Out. Can the Native American people defeat autism? What the fuck? (laughs) Isn't that what Inside Out's about? No. Oh, God. Because I get it, though. The personality's shutting down and everything like that. I got it. Yeah, I get it. That's so bad against people with autism. Uh, We're losing the uh, autism people money, the donations and stuff. We're not. I didn't know if you were making a joke like they need (laughs) vaccines to survive smallpox, but they get autism. Oh, nice. (laughs) We're going there. It's not even like a minute into this podcast. All right, here we go. Um, Hang on. I should probably record an alternate intro, huh? I mean, no, this is perfect. Honestly, this is a good. Are you sure in this climate of. It's not autistic. (laughs) Oh. (sighs) <sighs> oh jesus oh yeah yeah i mean if you feel safe in recording another it's way a grumpy kid <laughs> um I'll, I'll record a different one after maybe okay <laughs> but um go ahead zach you gotta finish the intro now yeah so can pocahontas defeat a whole bunch of different colored emotions <laughs> this is the great movie showdown yes with me today defending inside out is william goodnow what's up on the opposing side it is mr matthew smith defending pocahontas no relation to john smith except my brother and my dad both their middle names are john and both their last name is smith so maybe yeah wow (laughs) <laughs> all right probably so, like um, john smith in my family so today what we're going to be doing is uh will and matt are both going to give a two minute opening statement for basically just kind of summarizing the movie and explaining why that movie should go on to the next round and then after that they there will be an alternating uh five minute so it'll be five minutes for them to present their first piece of evidence or the first segment of their case or whatever they decide to present. And then uh, the other side will have five minutes to cross-examine that piece of evidence to either find holes in their argument or however they kind of want to go about that. And then they will also have a five-minute segment after that to present a new piece of evidence. And then the cycle will repeat until we've gone over every piece of planned evidence. And then we will make our decision as to what the greatest movie in this round of the great movie showdown is here in the great state of cinema minnesota <laughs> the great yeah. state of minnesota man we couldn't be farther from minnesota well i guess we could if we were in like china or um canada um anyway <laughs> for the opening statements we will do a coin toss oh, so uh, who go would like to call heads uh i'm calling tails it is tails holy crap okay all right so with that being said will if you can look up a picture of the pocahontas vhs box art (laughs) on google to swear your opening statement on all right hold on hold on guys i need to do this just go on wikipedia and there's the poster right okay mr william goodnow my hand you swear to tell the truth 
the whole truth and nothing but the truth, as well as your embellished opinion. So help you, um, Pocahontas, I guess. Walt Disney, he's the god of Disney animation. Disney, that makes more sense. Yes. So help you, Disney. Yes. <laughs> All right. Disrespectful, man. Your two minutes begins now. All right. Inside Out, as directed by Pete Doctor, and also uh, written by, I believe it's a lovely young lady by the name of, where's her damn name? Because I'm under the thing. Oh, Meg Lefauve and uh, Josh Cooley, and of course, uh, Ronnie Del Carmen. This um, complete um, quartet, I guess you say, of fantastic writers also worked with uh, Bill Hader and Amy Poehler. If you guys don't know who they are, um, go fuck yourselves. Anyway, um, they're really great talents, and they also helped out with the dialogue. Why am I bringing this up? Because this is a highly intelligent film that has um, terrific character development and emotional complexity. Literally, the emotions themselves in the film go through complex emotions. Joy is not always so joyful, so it shows... Um, a different side more like of childhood development. Thank you. And anyway, more importantly, Pixar with this film actually breaks the mold of its buddy kind of journey film, which they established, which is funny enough. Pete Doctor also directed Monsters, Inc. And even um, oh. Up as well. So he takes his tried and true formula and breaks that formula and showing that these two characters don't necessarily get along and they are quite literally polar opposites. Whereas before character development was kind of insinuated as far as them being opposites or something like that. No, they are literally emotional opposites, joy and sadness. But the film, which this is why it is superior film has the audacity to not end on any kind of a happy note. Instead, this film establishes that actually sadness is actually, it makes life that much better not always trying to force happiness down your throat but actually embracing all of your emotions thank hmm. you all right so that has been uh well good now up next we have mr matthew smith do you have the pocahontas vhs pulled up i have the movie poster okay that works it, it shows like uh pocahontas on her canoe with flick and god what's the name of the raccoon cooney no, I don't think it's Cooney. And it says, an American legend comes to life. And it's a very beautiful poster. All right. Mr. Matthew Smith, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, embellished by your opinion on why Pocahontas is the greatest movie? On the spirit of Walt Disney? Yeah, and I'll actually start off by saying that Pocahontas isn't the greatest movie. It's not, I don't think it's better than inside out, but I will tell you. Okay. So your time is a lot more than inside out. Okay. I can tell you that. So I think like Pocahontas is really like a great representation of the Disney Renaissance. It's like inside out definitely has like a more complex story with like development. And you actually care about these characters. But I think like uh, Pocahontas is a great kids movie, like a great popcorn movie. It has a love story that's kind of like not really easily believed. Like we we talked about Frozen last week and mm-hmm. like how they're making a joke of we just met you and now we're in love. And like this is like your stereotypical Disney Renaissance movie where we just met each other and we're in love. But it just plays to that formula that's was so successful. And I, I just really like 
I always like movies that are in the location of like pre-America times, North America. Like, like this is like what the start of colonial times is like the opening of the movie where it starts off with a song and you hear like a little flute. I believe it's a flute. And it's like, in 1607, we sailed the ocean sea for glory, God, and gold in the Virginia Company. And it starts off with the white people from England, like what their goal is in the whole entire movie, which is basically to go find gold in the new world and be like the Spanish. And then you're with them for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Am I over my two minutes? Should I go over more? Detail? No, no, no. I'll I'll tell you when you're over. You're at ten seconds. I have ten seconds. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll uh, quickly. Uh, I like Ratcliffe. I like how they discuss xenophobia, and I like the setting and the music. And that's two minutes. Okay. And I'll talk yeah. about all the other stuff during my five minutes. All right. You got this, Matt. Very good opening statement from both sides. Next, we will move on to the five-minute segments where um, they're able to present their evidence. And also, all of your sources should be cited, please. You can post them in the chat, and we will talk (laughs) about them. And you can also present a two-minute clip from a video for any, any case as a piece of evidence. It can be like part of a song, and we'll review it, and any of that, any of that stuff. Two-minute clips are fine. Oh, okay. Then... I'll pick a song for my part. Yeah. But can I just continue <laughs> since I have five minutes? Can I go next? Um, Get it done. So now Matt will seamlessly segue right into his five-minute opening argument for Pocahontas. Okay. Your time so starts now. I was talking about how when you meet each group of people of a yeah, group of people they start off with their own song and it like basically shows what the group of people is about, but you first deal with the white people from England and it's just basically a song about we're going to travel here and we're going to get gold for our people and we're going to be successful and we're going to live a great life. And you hear them like talk about the native Americans or people in the new world. They refer to them as savages throughout And they talk about them like hunters would talk about like dealing with bears or wolves, like during the trip, like, oh, we can handle them. It's like, oh, this person knows how to get savages, like just basically dismisses them as not even people. Okay. And uh, like as it as they're going there, it kind of like goes into the new world for Pocahontas and they had their song steady as a beating drum. And basically it goes over the circle of life in their community, basically like that, where it talks about how they're very in touch with nature. Like everything is living and mm. the land isn't ours. We just use the land and we get back to the land. And it's like another, and it's like in the style of a native American song. And then we end up meeting Pocahontas Pocahontas is basically like a free spirit. Her dad wants him to marry the head warrior from the tribe, Kokomo. And Pocahontas is like, I'm like all joyful and playful and I have fun. And he doesn't seem like the right guy for me. I want somebody different. 
And then that's where they get into the song just around the river bend. Mm-hmm. And that's basically a song where it's like, should I choose the smoothest chorus, steady as a beating drum? Should I marry mm-hmm. Pokalom? Should I be steady in my life or should I be like the free spirit that I want to be? And I don't know. Now I'm just feel like I'm recapping the movie by myself. Well, yeah, I was going to ask, did you want to use like a clip? I can pause it while you pull up a clip. I'll probably get to that at some point. Okay. I'll, I'll break into like the main points in my movie, why I like it. So I really like the villain Ratcliffe, uh, or Governor Ratcliffe, who's basically... He's the guy with a mustache, right? Yeah, and like the top hat. And he, he feels like a real authentic person, not like your stereotypical easel or really evil Disney villain that's over the top. Like, he's not really evil in the sense of like cartoon evil he's like just basically a military person and this is his view and he only cares about he doesn't even care about his crew he just cares about himself and he wants glory and he wants to be recognized as this person that brought back gold and he doesn't really care what happens he wants the indians dead he makes his men do all the work and he tries to kind of the opposite of a good military leader. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think they like make references that he's not really that great, (laughs) but he just seems like a real character. And like, he's not like a memorable, like scar villain or Gaston. Mm. Like that's like over the top cartoonish and devilish. But it's like a real person that has like real goals that somebody might actually have. And I really like how the movie discusses xenophobia and it does it from both sides, not to like say that the white people weren't in the wrong for invading, mm-hmm. but it's just basically John Smith just strolls in and talks to Pocahontas after the magical tree. Grandmother Willow gives them the ability to talk to each other and like nonchalantly it's like, oh, yeah, like all the stuff that you're doing here, now that us white people are here, we'll be able to get you more civilized and you'll no longer be savages and we'll make this place look like London, like our hometown. And then like on doesn't like the sound of that and basically in the song Color of the Wind says, how are you judging our way of life just because you're more tech- technological advanced and you have a different way of living doesn't mean it's a better way of living. I actually mm-hmm. think that your way of living is evil and you just take advantage of the earth and of people for your own personal gain. And you don't respect anything around you. Like they get into the song with savages. Like once uh, John Smith is kidnapped by the native Americans and they take him back and it basically shows both sides. They don't understand the other side and they think they're evil. And they're like basically saying that they're, they're animals, they're not human. And like using like skin color is a reason why they feel that way. It's like very dark tor- uh, dark themes for a Disney movie. To get back with like the way of living and people judging, I feel like we are still kind of like that as a culture, like Western culture. We might look at other people and like say, how do you live like this? Just because they don't live like how we do, but mm-hmm. like as long as like they they still have like equal rights and like everybody's treated 
right? Like they can live however they want. And it doesn't make us better just because we live a certain way. And like judging like a group of people by like what they can do economically isn't correct. Very well put. And another point I want to make is the soundtrack is amazing. All right. Are you ready, Will? Oh, yeah. So uh, the floor recognizes, Will, your time starts now. All right. So to give a brief synopsis, it pretty much is very simple. Like there's a micro story and there's a macro story. So the overall macro is literally you have a girl named Riley. Her mom and dad have moved her basically from her home, her life in Minnesota and her dad. Sorry, just to clarify, job. this is Inside Out that we're yes, talking about. Yes, now. Inside Out. The movie Inside Out um, takes place um, basically inside the mind of Riley because her mom and dad have moved for her dad to get a new job out in California. And this whole story, the micro story, it basically tells everything um, that is happening within Riley's mind, which is dictated by her emotions. That's joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust. Um, now, the movie primarily follows joy but what's really fun to um kind of contemplate is on a story level joy can also be considered not just the protagonist but also the antagonist she is the very flawed protagonist of the story she keeps trying to force all this joy into scenarios where no you you should be sad you should be upset right you should be angry you should be afraid perfect example is the opening um of the I don't want to say the very opening of the movie, but I want to say at least like near the beginning of the film when her parents pull up to the new home that is in uh, California and you immediately get kind of joy in the background, not sure what to do. And all the other emotions are, are just going haywire. They're bounced around her head as any, anybody who was introduced to a new scenario feels, they feel that anxiety, which is your fear, your, your anger and your disgust kind of just roiling around inside you because you're disgusted at having to put up with this new change. You're also angry that, you know, your whole life's being upended and you're afraid because it's changed. It's new. You don't know what's going on. And then she immediately takes over the controls, right? And, and it doesn't even allow sadness. Let's not even get into that. She draws literally a circle in chalk on the floor at one point, um, telling sadness to stay within the circle of sadness. So Joy wants nothing to do with it. It doesn't even understand what sadness contributes. Literally, the, the film goes at much lengths to show you that. And then what you get is such a terrific um, journey for, for Joy. And if I might, I want to just do the inciting incident bit, which is, Riley is in the middle of remembering one of her, what you would call core memories. Cause I don't have time to break down the entire structure. Cause I feel like that would take way too long, but the film posits that, um, our basic, our, our mind, not the brain itself, but our mind runs on core memories. Um, and for her as a child, she's got core memories that power these little islands of personality. You've got, um, goofy Island, or I think it's, uh, it's basically symbolized by like a monkey theme park thing, family Island, trust, honesty Island, friendship Island. And I forget there's another one. I can't remember. I believe there's like five islands. Um, once this core memory gets touched by sadness and she doesn't really understand sadness herself doesn't really understand her role either. She just feels drawn to these core memories because it's such a new environment for Riley. Sadness feels drawn to touch the core memories and turn them sad and the film doesn't really let you understand why until later on when she and Joy are sucked into basically what would be like her long-term memory. Um, they get taken out of what is the central headquarters and you're left with fear, 
anger and disgust as characters trying to figure it out. And if there is not a better way to tell a macro story of like what's going on in someone's head than having these centralized characters do this, I don't know what is. Because it's brilliant to leave those three up there in the headquarters because, once again, it, it kind of shows what's left. You don't have much to feel happy about. It's a new environment. And if you're not expressing yourself, you're not allowed to be sad. The only thing left is anger, fear, and um, disgust. And it, it's brilliant, like I said, to, to try and to try and tackle such a emotionally complex story, but then make it digestible enough for everyone. And so what you get um, basically by the story's end is this great sequence where Joy does come to realize the role of sadness. And it's a great realization because what it is, um, she's now, you know, Zach, I don't want to spoil it too much for you and, and anybody who actually hasn't seen this movie. She gets at one point a, a, a core memory that is a really special memory for, for our, our lady, Riley, our little girl. And um, she's going through, she's loving it. She just wishes all the best in the world for Riley. Um, and then she keeps rewinding it. And then she realized that there's, it's starting to turn blue for sadness. And she realizes, oh, wait, Riley was actually really sad before she was happy. Oh, my gosh. The reason why this became such a happy core memory was because she was so sad that her team had lost this game that she had missed the winning shot that her parents came over to comfort her and her team came over to comfort her because she looked so sad and that she was actually hoisted up in her teammates' shoulders and it was a big core memory of the teacher a lot. Joy itself, right, um, didn't realize this. And if I might, because I don't mm-hmm. know I don't know if I'm running out of time. Uh, yeah, you just ran out. Ah, let me just do this. I'll do this. Sorry, I'll take it only 30 seconds. Um, Matt Zoller Seitz, who is the lead editor at uh, RogerEber.com, he does this terrific bit. It's just a paragraph. I'll just read it. He says, a wise friend told me years ago that we have no control over our emotions, only what we choose to do about them. And that even if we know this, it can still be hard to make good decisions because our feelings are so powerful and there are so many of them fighting to be heard. Inside Out gets this. It avoids the sorts of maddening, self-serving, binary statements that kids always hate hearing their parents spout. Things aren't so bad. You can decide to be happy. Look on the bright side. Even as we root for Riley to find a way out of her despair, we're never encouraged to think that she's just being childish or that she wouldn't be taking everything so seriously if she were older. We feel for her and with her. She contains multitudes. And I, I, I think that's a very honest description of what the film is trying to say. Very well said. Thank you, Will. Mm-hmm. Now, Matt, your next five-minute statement can be anti-inside out, if that's what you would like, to face off against what Will just said. Um, I'm not going to say I'm anti-inside out, but I do like Pocahontas more than inside out. So I guess I can tell you why. I, I feel yeah, like like, like as you can tell, like during like the lifespan of the podcast, it feels like every Pixar movie is a serious movie that makes you think, it makes you cry, it makes you feel things. That's like that's basically a theme with every Pixar movie. And it does like kind of not even saying just because of this podcast and watching it again, but just watching it the first time I watched it, it it does get like old after a while. And sometimes you're sometimes like you as a person, you don't have the ability to like feel sad about everything. You can't like relate to Ratatouille and relate to Coco and relate to up and relate to toy story three and relate to inside out. Like there's only so much room that you can actually care about it. 
And that could be just whether or not you like the movie that much, or maybe it doesn't, you don't relate to it as much. And I'm not saying that Inside Out is a bad movie and I understand what it's trying to do. It's just, I think like a lot of the emotional points I don't really care about. There's a big part where the pink elephant, I forget his name. Like, what's his name, Will? Bing Bong. Bing Bong. Like, Bing Bong is like a character we get introduced to. He's like a great character. Everybody loves him. And we get like an emotional interaction with Bing Bong. And then, spoiler alert, but you're listening to a podcast about Inside Out. So, duh. Bing Bong basically gets forgotten. Like, is in the part of the imagination land or whatever you want to call like Riley's conscience Mm -hmm. and gets forgotten and basically sacrifices himself. So Riley can feel, can get joy back. And that's supposed to be like an emotional thing, like something you cry about along with when you cry at Coco or you cry in Toy Story three. I'm about to cry up and it's just like, Oh yeah, that's sad. But I just don't really feel that same emotional connection to it. Mm Mm-hmm. And Inside Out is by far like a better done movie than Pocahontas. And like the development of the characters is so much better, but you you actually have to like care about the story enough. And I think with Pocahontas, it follows a, a Disney Renaissance formula. And I, I don't even think like the story in Pocahontas is that great. And you can argue that the fight scenes aren't that compelling, but just like the overall essence of the like just like basically the mood Two of the movie sets just basically is why I like it. And it's a great movie just to throw on and watch casually just because of all the great songs. And with Inside Out, like it's like an adult movie where you have to pay attention to it. Not saying that I, I don't have the, the brain for adult movies, but it's just like sometimes it's a little bit too much. Mm. How much time do I have left? You still have a minute 30. Okay. You can resend the time to the court if you so wish, if you've said everything that you need to say. Um, I don't think I have enough time to play my video. So, yeah. All right. We can do that in the next bit. All right. So Matt, since it's time back to the, um, to the council, whatever, whatever you'd call it. I don't know. Let's throw it to Will. Your five minutes starts now. I'm going to open up with this. Um, yes, your your um, use of uh, the, the story arc that involves Bing Bong. Yes, the character himself, Bing Bong, what makes it so fantastic is he's so distinctly one note. And I think Matt Zoller Zeitz in the same article that he wrote in his review of Inside Out even calls him almost like a, a happy Ronin, basically where uh, if you guys don't know and, and – Samurai, samurai culture. If uh, if you do not have a master, you are considered a ronin, like a wandering samurai. And okay. it's so beautifully put that like Riley has grown up. She does not have an imaginary friend anymore, right? She's eleven years old. She doesn't do that. So like he still is in the recesses of her uh, long term memory, hiding, taking all their precious memories. He's got this little bag of like of memories, but like you find out it's an imaginary bag, so it's limitless. And when he pours out all these memories of him and uh, Riley playing, it's really sweet and endearing. In particular, I'm glad you brought him up because just to kind of drive home why Inside Out is so affecting for someone like me is there's two scenes in particular that involve Bing Bong. This is why, um, and then we'll get to like him fading away, is 
there's the scene where he he finds out or i'm sorry that um they can't um catch um what was it his his magical rocket that he he honestly believes that he's going to take riley to the moon still he's going to get to her headquarters and he's going to try and get her to believe in him again and then that is taken away from him and he's just bereft he is sad he's sitting looking into her subconscious which is this giant pit between um headquarters and her um her uh, long-term memory and basically what would be like her personality island. So he's looking over this abyss, um, which is very obviously foreshadowing. And he just doesn't know what to do. And Joy is sitting there trying to tell him, hey, you know, she's making goofy faces, trying to play with him, right? Trying to inject that that happiness that is not relevant to the situation. No, sometimes when you need to feel something, you need to feel it. And Bing Bong feels horrible. So then anyway, after Joy gets no reaction from him, sadness comes over. And she immediately just asks him, it's like, Hey, you know, do you really feel that way? Um, why don't you tell me about it? Yeah, and I, I do see that. And, you know, uh, that was, she is your best friend. I'm sorry that this happened to you. And it helps pick him up. It immediately helps Bing Bong collect himself because someone actually, you know, validated what he was feeling. Instead of Joy just trying to disregard and say, hey, look, you know, let's look on the bright side. Sometimes the bright side just ain't helping nothing, man. Sometimes we just need to feel sad. And then I'm um, obviously in the scene that Matt's talking about when they actually do, he and Joy fall into her um, subconscious where memories and everything start to fade. It's this beautiful sequence where they do find his rocket ship, which is powered by song. They're singing the Bing Bong song. His arm starts to fade away and he realizes they're not going to be able to make it with him on it. And he makes the sacrifice. He jumps off it and he yells for Joy to sing louder so she can make it all the way up. And it's this beautiful moment where he is knowing that he's going to be forgotten is dancing for joy and he's happy and he's just telling her, Hey, look, take her to the moon for me. And he fades away and it makes oh, me wow. cry. It makes me cry every single time I see it. I was crying this morning when I first watched <laughs> it because I can't help it. All I think about is like my daughter and my son and how they used to look at the world a little bit differently when they were babies and they would play and we would play really fun games. There are things that I just don't do with them anymore because they're getting older. And so that's what the fading away of Bing Bong is is representing, which once again shows that there are layers upon layers of this film where there's a macro story and there's a micro one. So Bing Bong is not just representing a, a crazy little character. He's representative of a lot of things. There's a micro and there's a macro. Um, but to get into uh, the fight scenes, in, um, and I'm making sure I have enough time because I'm just going to read this. This is really fun. Yeah, you got like about a minute. Okay. Well, then in that minute, I would just like to point out um, Kokoum, who is made to be like some kind of tragic kind of villain or whatever in the movie. I just want I to point out a villain. I no, no, I'm not saying you are, but I'm saying like in the film, he's something of like an antagonist against John Smith. Like there's a misunderstanding in his, not his, really. death, like, a his very death. Small one. I like how you're cutting it on my time, Matt. Anyway, um, let's just point this out. Cause this is really good. When Kokoum sees John Smith kissing Pocahontas in the film, he fights him and is killed by Thomas. Historically, a group of his men attacked Kokoum's home and killed him shortly after the English kidnapped Pocahontas. That's the actual thing. And that's the problem with Pocahontas is that like it's hard to reconcile the actual history with what was presented. Perfect example, as we all know, Pocahontas was actually a fucking child when she met John Smith. She wasn't even 14 years old yet. So it was a little it was a little weird um she's very hypersexualized, <laughs> and it's 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 weird it's very weird she's a grown woman in the movie she was a child when she actually met him and then she well went... i mean back then people died at like 12. oh yeah absolutely all right and it looks like that's the time so now matt now it is your time to uh 
to drop some more of that Pocahontas knowledge on us. Are you ready? No, I think uh, I think it would be really good if just me and Will discussed. Yeah, let's have the open floor. Yeah. All right. And so, the floor is open. I just want to say this. If you try to think of Pocahontas as a historically accurate film, then it's not. It's not trying to be. Whether or not whether or not like it was right for Disney to do that is another discussion. I mean, it's I don't want to like say this is kind of insensitive, but I feel like you should probably look at this like she's not an actual historical figure to actually enjoy the movie or just like say it's a legend, even though she is. Just basically like it's a kid's movie and it's not historically accurate. So let's like not try to compare it to history. It's If we like go off of it as like the, the legend of Pocahontas like there's a Pocahontas entity and we don't actually know her life. Maybe look at it that way. But if you're well, we comparing do. it to mm-hmm. historical things, and of course the movie is going to be bad because it's not accurate at all. But um, I actually want to hear your views on Pocahontas, Will. My views on Pocahontas. Um, from a story and film standpoint, I got to be honest, I find it highly lacking simply because from the structure to the setup to everything, it, it has no kind of forward momentum. Things just kind of happen. She just kind of, you know, her and John Smith kind of find each other. And then we're supposed to believe that through one song, they fall in love with each other. And then she saves his life, which once again, I have a problem with because we now know because there are Indian tribes that keep records, oral history, things like that, that even the idea that the chief was going to kill John Smith is kind of up for grabs. They, they don't believe that. Now, um, John Smith um, actually was able to write it in, in some kind of memoir, and someone who knew him said that he told them this. But a lot of Native Americans, um, the Powahatni, I think it, I might be mispronouncing it, but they had an oral tradition and a written tradition, and they both um, – basically they, they have said that, no, he was – a part of a, of a ceremony and that he was going to be released. The ceremony was about four days long and that his head was placed upon the stones as kind of a ritual. And then <laughs> it was going to be done. Um, and it, it was like a really weird ritual. I, I don't know enough about it. Kind of like what um, the Aztecs do. Um, no, unfortunately not like what the Aztecs do. They, they pretty much behead people and rip their hearts out. Or no, that's the Mayans. Um, but yeah. Yeah. But um no. Um this was something different. Like at never at no given point in time was anyone going to have something raised above his head or anything like that. That was completely fabricated, is what the Native Americans said. It was different. It was a, a ritualistic kind of thing where no one was gonna bring anything down upon his head. So you've got that dispute. And then like I said, what I brought up about Pokoam. Um, and then obviously the issue is I, even when I was a kid, what I learned about Pocahontas, like the first time I watched it, I was a little bit older. I did not see Pocahontas like until I was like almost 13 years old. And at which point I had read enough. Um, and I was like, Pocahontas is about like my age. This is creepy. This is weird. Why does she look like 22? So Will, you're yeah. saying everything that's wrong with the movie, comparing the movie Pocahontas to real life Pocahontas. Is there anything you could, there's plenty of negative things you can say about the movie like, it's like the equivalent of we're doing a review on the Patriot and then we're going to go talk about real life, what actually happened in real life the whole entire time. Like, oh, the English didn't actually burn the church. Oh, this guy actually had slaves, not servants. 
oh, this guy was actually a terrible person. You're not, well, yeah. really, you're not really discussing, you discussed the movie a little bit. You just said like things just happened, but then you're well, just going off of what okay, happened. Okay, all right. In the so then let me, let me break it down this way. Okay, fine. The movie. Also, ended. Mel Gibson was in both movies. Yeah. But my point is, and I'm actually glad you even included The Patriot, because here's the other problem with The Patriot. Why the, <laughs> why the fuck does it exist? Why is there a need? Because, like, history itself, what actually happened is thrilling enough. Like, you could actually tell a really cool story from actual history. Why do you need to make up shit? I love. I actually Patriot. watched that movie I, I in my it. eighth grade social studies class. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Mr. Ames? Yeah. Yeah. It, I just love movies that are based around that time period. Yeah, it is a very interesting time period, a very polarizing time period. I, I watched like. Patriot like recently, like over the summer, and I made a post on Facebook where basically Patriot is like a Revolutionary War lifetime movie, basically, of how the dialogue is. And it's just so like everybody has something important to say everybody is making a statement like people don't talk like this, but they're making like all these profound statements about like women's rights and like the right, like there's a a black slave that we follow throughout the film. And he like always has profound things to say. And there's a white guy that doesn't like him, And he says that he doesn't like him, And then he earns them. Re- it's like very just like lifetime movie script. Like, but I, we can talk about the Patriot for a little bit right now. I don't care. I like I like that movie. I <laughs> go back to Pocahontas. We probably should, since that's the movie <laughs> on trial here. Could you imagine like being in a murder case and then someone says, "Oh, so here's a here's a guy that stole some. Uh, he stole a car," and then you go on about that for twenty minutes. Oh, it's the Chewbacca defense. <laughs> What's the Chewbacca defense? Will, do you know the Chewbacca defense? No, tell me. Okay, it was a reference to South Park. I'm sorry. No. Nobody gets it. Well, I, I mean, I've seen South Park. I've watched but, it. I just don't know that specific episode. So, Will, uh, how do you feel about the songs? Uh, the songs are a big part of, never know uh, of Pocahontas. Yeah, who actually did... Yeah, I think it was uh, boy Menken. It was. It was Alan Menken, and I got to be honest, none of it really kind of sticks to me. I don't remember him. Everyone knows Colors of the Wind, but mm. once again, it it's just it's to use a a better I guess pun is it's discolored actually by the fact that it's it's so out of it's just not at all what it's not what the story needs. Like the movie's just lazily kind of recreating whitewashing history for no, no. apparent reason. Can you bring up a comment about the movie without talking about history? Oh my god. That's okay. a fair point. Okay, fine. Do you want an actual comment about let's just break it's down like it, you've it, never it. heard of Pocahontas before. Pocahontas yeah. was a character created by Disney. She's not no. Oh, I know, we know that. Everybody knows that. Okay, so then why would you even bother making a movie called Pocahontas and be like, well, actually, it's a completely made-up thing that we're just telling a story based on... Well, in Pocahontas 2, we do see John Smith again. Yeah, and each time that we do that, it kind of fucking sucks. Ask about about what's that movie, The Greatest Showman? Yeah, it's a terrible movie. Because it 
like the movie itself is terrible or because yes, it's not historically yes. accurate? Both. Once you stray from actual history and you try to whitewash yeah, things, think... it just comes off as disingenuous and you don't emotionally connect with anyone. Like the no. characters just are I, nowhere near what they would actually be. I want complex humans in my story. I need complex characters to make difficult decisions, not just have heroic characters who are tragically kidnapped by these savages. And then perfect example, perfect example. That is the laziest form of writing when you just have, well, actually the Native Americans are really depicting these colonizers, you know, and like, or I'm sorry, they're just, you know, they're calling them savages. And it's, it, you know, both sides are kind of wrong. No, one side was wrong. One side. One side is wrong. One side is wrong. Just go ahead and say that. And then show the emotional complexity of how they deal with that. Like the fact that actually the Native Americans did help them. There wasn't this big war. For a long time, they actually tried to maintain peace. They brought them food and things like that. That would be a really cool fucking story. But instead, they just did this weird thing where he gets... It's just bad storytelling. Like why? It's probably bad storytelling because you're going based off of history. And yeah, I think also many, to be fair, we should many, say that the actress that played Pocahontas is Native American. Oh Lord! Yeah, well, and how many, how many also, movies are that historically accurate? How many times do you have do you like go on IMDb or Wikipedia? You go on a movie, and then it tells you like what's wrong with it historically. You can criticize Pocahontas, like like you could not a documentary that that's insensitive to basically ruin the story and not tell the truth. Like that's that's easy to say, but making that your whole entire argument, you won't say anything other than that. You're not, cause you're not talking about it as a movie. You're talking about it as a historical documentary. Uh, I'm talking about it as a movie that depicts a well-known historical figure. Like it's a movie. Yeah, We know that it's not accurate, but you already you already made that point. Now, is right. there anything else you can say about the movie? <sighs> yeah, there's a lot I can say about it. There's a lot. Um, oh, number oh, one, you already talked about history. So okay, so let's, <laughs> let's talk just about it. Like, okay, got it. End. Got it. Okay, ready? Here we go. I don't believe that they were ever one second in love. There's no reason why she would ever need to save him. Why? What has he ever actually done for her except give her raccoon a couple of cookies? That's terrible writing. That's terrible writing. That's terrible writing. That's terrible. And then number one, you have That's these five minute movie. You have these five minute right. diversions hey. with hey. a raccoon hey, chasing a pug. Will. Okay. That okay. sounds great. I love what? raccoons and I love pugs. Hold on, Will. Why point for Pocahontas? Why does Belle fall in love with somebody that kidnapped her? And is also a big scary monster. Yeah. Try to use real life logic in a Disney movie. It's not about real life logic, it's how the film is about itself. And this movie was completely lazy. Because Does she even have a raccoon in real life? No. Yeah, right, exactly. And More a hummingbird. When you're comparing Beauty and the Beast to this film, when you have Beauty and the Beast, you have this great sequence of events where you just have the two characters alone in the castle. It's a great moment where he's yelling at her, right? Hey, well, fine, go ahead and starve. And the big beast yells. But then you have the moment where she sees that he's capable of compassion and hero heroics, basically, when he saves her life from the wolves. But then also you get that contrasted with when she's trying to fix his arm and he's growling and he's getting real mad, but then she stands up to him. So you have a really great kind of back and forth. That's but the she's also falling in love with a with the animal. 
She's falling in love with who he is, Matt. You're see once again. Yeah. Now you're the just guy that wouldn't help an old lady stay dry in the rain. Nope, wouldn't help her. Wouldn't, no way. But he shows her. So her that's book. who he really is. He shows her her books. I'm sorry, his books. And then also they have scenes together. Obviously, the scene where he he finally loves her enough to let her go. So there's a lot of character development. He started one way and ends another one. John Smith literally is the same exact person. No, he's not. Point A to point B. No, he's not. Okay. Okay. He's singing songs. His first thing he says in the movie, he's like, you think you guys could kill Indians without me? And then he meets Pocahontas and realizes that, oh, all Indians aren't bad. And he basically tries to convince the Jamestown colony that the Indian, like, I've met one of them. They're not savages. They're good people. And... And then he basically gets ostracized by... Okay, ready? Ready? Let's go up to the Beauty and the Beast comparison. Ready? Now, we actually saw... We didn't hear someone tell us it. We actually saw the Beast's cruelty with her dad and in other instances where he was actually, like, kind of an asshole. We're just supposed to believe... Yeah, and we're supposed to just believe that John Smith, who has not depicted one... has not done one despicable act, is just this horrible scoundrel who then falls in love and gets a change of heart. No. The movie is lazy. It doesn't even let you so think for what the heck he's killing Indians with no blood because that's how Disney movies are. That Remember, it all was expensive. Got to <laughs> animate it frame yeah. by frame. No, but there is, you could actually show scenes of him being maybe, I don't know, a bit of a dick to Native Americans, something. You can well, have actual characters. That you see on screen at first is Pokemon. You know who does get that that shining light of like character complexity and then gets killed? Coco. <laughs> he actually has like no complexity. It's just Oh, good. We agree on on like how Native Americans are kind of pigeonholed into these ridiculous roles in that movie and it's oh lazy God, writing. Will. No. Coco no. Po- Pocahontas is probably very like probably the most complex character there. One, one, yes. Okay, one and the dad, she's the title character. The it dad, makes sense for her to be the most complex. The dad and Pocahontas's friend and grandmother Willow, which is a former Native American now tree. Talk about a transformation. How <laughs> you get to see grandmother Willow as a human and then morph into a tree like anamorphs? Yeah. Or would this be planamorphs? I don't know. Planamorphs. <laughs> I well, love it. I, you don't mm. just like make one comment that isn't white guilt. Yes, white people did a bad thing. So that's <laughs> our argument. No, I'm not talking about white guilt. I'm talking about character development. You told me that John are you, Smith. Are you talking about like the white people had better character development than the Native Americans? Can we talk about Grandma Willow for a little Scottish bit? People go like, oh, John Smith, do you kill the Indians? Oh, we can't kill Indians without John Smith. That's their character development. No, you get the wonderful uh, secondary character of Thomas as voiced by, believe it or not, Christian Bale, which is weird. Oh, yeah. Like a future Poor little Thomas that gets saved right in the beginning. He falls off the ship and he's like this little buddy of John Smith. Right. And then, you you know, he gets like a little bit more screen time than, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and like tell you what I think about the movie just to have you be like, it's white guild and you're only using historical context. I'm like, well, it's based on a historical care. You can't do that. Talk about the filmmaking. Okay. Once again, let's go through it again. Pocahontas. Okay. We meet her. She jumps off a cliff. She talks to her sister. She's got some really nice scenes. I don't think they're sisters. I think they're friends. Okay. And then I'm, 
I'm just not feeling it. Like I just don't I don't care enough about their love story. I would okay. have rather I just Okay. It's just, it Will, doesn't make sense. If every episode you and Zach like to jerk off about animation, how do you feel about the animation for Pocahontas? Actually the animation for Pocahontas looks like really good. It's got really good colors. How do you like, like the opening scene where it's like kind of like old style technique that you see in like the 40s? Where it's zooming in through multiple cells when they're going in the ship. Yeah, it's Disney. Yeah, Disney animation is always really good. And how it starts with like a photo and it ends with a photo. Yeah. And then you get called book. How do you feel about the songs? Uh, They're forgettable. All of them. All of them. They're not that good. You know how I know? Go ahead, start singing me anything other than Colors of the Wind. Actually, sing me two verses from Colors of the Wind. You think I'm an ignorant savage, but you've been so many places. Uh, I guess it must be so, but still, uh, don't be the savage one is me. Okay. Uh, Keep going. This is great. Something you don't know. You don't know. This is really good. You think you yeah. own whatever land you land on. The earth right? is just a dead thing you can claim. But da, da, da. I don't I don't know like all the lyrics for it. But I, I know uh Well, I know all the songs. Mine, mine, mine is the villain song. There's just around the river bend. There's Virginia Company opening. There's Steady as a beating drum. There's listen to your heart. And I think that's it. And then there was a song that was cut that was like, if I had never knew you. Well, how was that song? Is that song good? Uh, I had to like, watch a YouTube video of it to see if it was like any good. But I, I don't like how John Smith sounded in it. Oh. Maybe that's why it was cut. So here, here's one song I do want to play, and it's been my jam as of late. Can I play it? Can this be my audio segment? Sure. I mean, we can't like actually play it on the recording. But I thought we were supposed to have like you said we could play songs. Well, I said you could post the link in the the description, and we would listen to them. But for the recording, we can't like actually have that in the recording. Okay. Do you want to like? Okay. Well, never mind. I mean, you can put it in the chat and then we can listen to it because if it's on the computer, then it's not going to go into the recording. But if like you just hold it up to the microphone, it'll go into the recording. Well, how do we do that? What do you mean? You just post the link to it in the chat. But we can listen to it, but just not the recording. Yeah. Or, I mean, I guess you can just play it in the recording and I'll cut it after, like, five seconds. Okay, I submitted it. I'll... Matthew Smith submitted YouTube.com watch. Oh, this guy. Governor Ratcliffe. What's going on now? What? Oh, I'm listening to the video. <laughs> this makes for great podcasting. Well, it'll be... Oh. Wait, so is this guy not a Spaniard? No. This purple man? No, no, they're all English. Oh. It's, it's time to start digging. Digging? Well, of course. Let's not forget what the Spanish found when they came to the New World. 
gold mountains. Why, for years they've been ravaging huh. the world of wow. precious resources. Why is he just waving a gun around? <laughs> just fire a gun and in a big crowd? Guns are loud. I don't think people realize how loud guns are. You see, like, I feel like this movie in particular suffers from the same problem as like Notre Dame, the hunchback movie. Like it just this, the music just doesn't hit. I feel like it's just not. Really? Yeah, it doesn't really slap kind of about the song. Hey, music is subjective. I can't really say whether it's good or not. It just didn't work for me. And then the only thing I can say is that's I feel like that's also another reason why I didn't do as well. You know, like it's it's just not considered one of the classics because I feel like also the music just wasn't there. Are you? Are I also you like how they on? just came off the ship and they've already got this mining facility established. Yeah, it's almost like it's a cartoon, and we should start. Yeah. stop treating it like it's anything else. Also, why does this guy like have all this shit, like the cannon and all the luxury items there with him? The British really would just travel with everything and all of this shit. <laughs> it's at a time when it was really inconvenient. So <laughs> it wasn't like you had an RV. All I can say is the movie itself structure. John Smith's pretty swaggering. In this film. <sighs> yeah, he is. I guess. <laughs> how, so, uh, Zach, how do you like the song so far? I like it. It's like it's I want to do it for karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> All of my life, I have such full and like this one. I want to see you do this at like the most ghetto karaoke place ever corner bar like a yeah like a corner bar where it's just a bunch of sweaty like smoky biker dudes (laughs) and you're singing the song from pocahontas so will yes quick question fire away are you familiar with the movie studio pixar oh my god i see how i'm bringing this up like a court case i think i'm getting the hang of this format Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Now, Pixar, it's not really known for its music, right? You would say that? Mm Mm-hmm. Would you say that when you think of Pixar and you think of music and you think of a song that has words and lyrics and somebody singing that's not a score, there's probably one song that represents all of Pixar as the most iconic Pixar song. Yeah, the uh, Toy Story theme. Just an how, ant. How does it go? Nothing much. Who gives a shit? What's the, na- <laughs> What's the name of it? You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we heard that song in, what, 95, 99, Well, I mean, that movie had a few 2019. songs. Okay, so that's a, that's a song with a lot of staying power, right? Yeah. So you would say that that's a really good song. I would say it's a good song for Pixar, but I got to be honest, I don't really listen to it. it. It wasn't really my thing. It's not on his workout playlist. It's not. Yeah. yeah. It's not really on any playlist. <laughs> Could you imagine? You're just like yeah. lifting mad gains. You got a friend in me. <laughs> I listen to like the score. Like I listen to like when I think of Pixar now, I honestly think of Michael Giacchino. Yeah. Yeah. His score for um pretty much up and um, – which call it and uh, the movie that we're talking about now, Inside Out, and then oh. obviously I also think of um, Thomas Newman's score for uh, Wally. Those are pretty much like my my heavy yeah. hitters. Um, 
but I have to say if in order of like remembering things, um, it would be uh, up, Wally, and then inside out. Because Will, you're ruining my point. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Colors of the wind beat You Got a Friend in Me for best original song. Oh. Wow, dude. I'm not surprised. I'm not dude, surprised. That's a that was a sly lawyer move, Matt. I know. I'm proud of you. That was good. Yeah, I th- think you may be getting the hang of this format. Yeah, except for the fact that Jeffrey Katzenberg like bought out half the academy and like had real problems with embezzling money and That is true. Know. There was a bunch of corruption in the uh in the uh Yep, and it all came academy. crumbling down with uh Harvey Weinstein, especially like when you have a movie like Shakespeare in Love beating out what was the best picture of that year? It's like Wasn't a huge it, uh Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. So like you know what I mean? The Academy is suspect, dude. Suspect. But well, yeah, they, so, like, they blackballed Leo for so I mean, long. It really, it really annoys me when people talk about Saving Private Ryan and they <laughs> think it's a good movie because I know all the people that landed on that beach and they got the ratios of people that look like them completely messed up. And it was totally, it just like brought me out of the movie because I know like the, what they actually look like and they didn't look like the people that I saw. So Wait, yeah, what? it's really, Wait, how do you movie. know them? And I, I just don't like that movie. I see what he's doing. You see what he's doing? This is really what? good. No, what's he doing? <laughs> Tell me. He's, uh, he's trying to once again, include history in with saving private Ryan Oh, and it's funny. Oh, I, I see. Yeah, I, see I thought he actually knew the people. Right. And I was I was clinging on to that piece of information. Yeah, because you know what's so funny? <laughs> like they are completely different movies because not one part of that movie, like per example, is the movie Saving Private Ryan actually depicts a kind of it uses a true story as context. Like mm-hmm. there was an actual family of brothers that was all killed on this like submarine and they had to pull one and send him home, things like that. And that's it. The rest of it, they actually used historical reference. So like the depiction of Normandy, things like that is being hailed as this masterpiece because it actually accurately depicts um, what actually happened or that it's the most realistic we could ever get. But at no given point in time beyond that, does the film actually say these are real characters that actually existed in history with their real names out there for the world. And we're going to tell this story of what happened with them. And we're going to call it, you know what I mean? Like private Ryan. I'm sure there was an actual private Ryan, but that's not the name of the guy who was actually sent home to his mom. That's not a real thing. So you were just just yelling about the Patriot and the Patriot is based off of historical events, but it's not actually accurate. Yeah. But it's also just like, it's kind of, it's okay, but. Man. No, it's it's a terrible movie, but I still like it. Yeah, you know, see, very historically accurate. Outlander, terrible. It's just like the dialogue's terrible, but I still like it. I just like the- I like I like Mel Gibson hacking that one dude in like that little stream and like blood's gushing all over his face as he's like. Oh yeah, we didn't watch that in the class when oh, I watched that's it. Oh, so good. <laughs> Probably because we were all eighth graders. Yeah, and then Mel Gibson running with the American flag, turning them around at that historical battle, which once again. Saving Private Ryan uses certain battles and it, it depicts them accurately in history. The Patriot takes actual battles or completely makes up skirmishes that didn't actually happen. And that's the problem. And it puts them in the context of history. And it's like it rearranges history. And it's weird because it, well, it's, it's making a movie. It's like saying, oh, what's a fun thing we can do with red coats and blue coats 
or brown coats. Right. I guess you could call them. And you know what's funny is you guys militia. did you guys did a good enough job. Put the militia in the middle. You yeah. fucking fool. Yeah. And he does well, that and they win the battle. I will, I will concede this point as you guys say like I can't, you know, make a good case about a movie blah blah blah. I will say this, yes. All right. As far as the Pocahontas argument and using the Patreon as as, an, as a good context for it, I have a problem where I can't separate historical things because when you actually read the real history, it's it's like it's way better than what actually happened. Perfect example is I grew up loving Braveheart and I still do. It's like a really good movie. But I got to be honest with you, I struggle with it because it was a part of my nostalgia. But now that I know the real history of William Wallace, what we actually know from like there isn't a lot of history on William Wallace, but like what we know from like which is another Mel Gibson fucking movie, by the way. Um, Gosh, he's in everything. Yeah, he's in everything, dude. He actually directed this movie, too. And he won I Oscars. Miss 90s my, Mel Gibson. My point is, we all thought he was a good guy. Right. My point is, is like, it, perfect example is the Battle of Falkirk, which is like a really good battle. It's actually Falkirk Bridge. The battle actually happened on a bridge. And in the movie, there's no fucking bridge in sight. It's in the middle of a field. And it's weird to me that they did that. Although it turns out they did that for budget reasons. Like they couldn't do it the way that yeah. it was going to be. And so like, that's why they did it. And so I kind of can forgive the movie for that. But like, still, when you read the actual history, it's more thrilling than what they put on the screen half the time. Actually, bridges are hard to film. I know. That's what I mean. Like I totally, I sympathize. They would have had to like rent a crane and stuff. Yeah. Just ask Gilberg uh, for bridge of Spot bridge of spies. I actually haven't seen that. Me either. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Is it good? Uh, I haven't seen it. I haven't oh. seen it. That was the joke. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, thanks. Anyway, uh, does anyone have any other uh, points they want to bring up before we go on to voting? <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Matt, if you felt like I was just crapping all over your really no, good... No, no, it's fine. And I felt like it actually made my point better. Yeah. Do you good. guys want to do five minute closing statements and then please, we'll, uh... please. That would be really good. That'd be fun. All right. So uh, who wants to go first? Matt, do you want to lead again or can I go? It's fine. Council. Yeah, you, yeah, you can go. So that All right. can, like piggyback off of what you're saying. And All right. I honestly like us talking about it. Like we can have like a final. I like talking back and forth rather than me mm-hmm. just going on. I think uh, this is definitely a new format, and um, we're probably going to experiment with some other format things Absolutely. in the future. So uh, please do, do let us know. Statement, and I can do a closing talk to you. There okay. You. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So uh, I've got five minutes on the clock for you, Will. Your time starts now. Uh, my closing statement is actually starting with a bit of a quote from a USC or UC Berkeley um, paper that was written and it was really great. Um, Don't ask me to name the writers because I don't actually have that information in front of me. I just pulled the quote. Nice. Exactly. And let me see here. Oh, right here. With great sensitivity, Inside Out shows how tough emotions like sadness, fear, and anger can be extremely uncomfortable for people to experience, which is why many of us go to great lengths to avoid them. But in the film, in a real life, all of these emotions serve an important purpose by providing insight into our inner and outer environments in ways that can help us connect with others, avoid danger, or, and this is really important, recover from loss. And I open with that because 
What makes Inside Out pretty much like an instant classic and honestly a deeply affecting film is on the macro level, the actual story, there are no real stakes. The stakes aren't anything. The, you know, they moved from one location to another. Or, yeah, she has to adjust. But it was, what it does so well is it, it takes us back to when maybe that time we felt like there was like something wrong with us, right? When depression hit or when we, we couldn't interpret why we just couldn't really be that happy at that time. Who knows what the hell was going on with us? And this film goes at great lengths to validate that. And it's an intelligent film that isn't just a movie that what they call is like four quadrant marketing where you can market kids, teens, uh, young adults, and the older crowd. It doesn't do any of that. This film feels so far from focus group. It's not even funny. Um, instead, it it feels honest. It feels earnest. And um, I love the fact that Pete Docter um, came out and said that uh, this film was inspired by his daughter, who was at the age of nine, so spunky and great. And then by the time she turned 11, which is no coincidence, the age of Riley that she's in the film, um, things started to change and she did look more sad. She started to, to act a little bit different for a while. She was going through those emotional changes. And this was his attempt as a dad to try and connect with his daughter and understand her better. And I feel like he does such a great job with it. Did it work? I don't know. Who the hell knows? Girls, especially young girls, are complex, man. They're like cats. You never know. (laughs) You never know. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, so I know I didn't make the full five minutes, but I just wanted to tell a really quick, concise, because we can go into the filmmaking side of it, but I think, honestly, what rings more true, because Pixar, once again, we've gone into great lengths of talking about their animation, what they do, how they do it, how they're always at the top of their game. They're pretty much the best animation studio. What I wanted to focus on was the emotional complexity of this story, what really rings true, what will send this this movie into the history books, what will be timeless about it is the story that it's telling that is universal. There's not a single person that can't relate to what Riley goes through. What Joy finally realizes is that she's not the one steering the ship. It's a team effort. All of the emotions need their time. That's why by the end of the film, what started out as these core memories that were just Joy, they were just gold orbs. Now they're multicolored. You know, some are red, green, and blue, and purple, and and blue, and fucking whatever else. It's it's all kind of tumbling out, and these these core memories are now more complex, and it's great. It really is. It's it's very it's a it's a great movie. It's a it's a movie that like I I don't try to watch too much for fear of actually crying more because I can't ever stop crying with that particular scene with Bing Bong. It's it sucks, and I I hate it because mm-hmm. I'm a dad, and I know that I'm going through it now. I'm living through it with my own kids. I don't even know Bing Bong, but I love him and his dumb name. Richard Kind is the voice of Bing Bong, by the way. Same one. I saw the, that. Yeah, the voice who, of who uh, did he? He did the Hopper's voice of brother. Hopper's brother. Oh, I, know. oh, I, I noticed that voice. That's so funny. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And weird enough, Diane Lane plays the voice of um, Riley's mom in the movie. Diane Lane has like a very small part in the movie. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? The mom is the like the biggest part. No, she's not really a big part of the movie. Trust me. Oh, I um, and then I will I say the we should do like a podcast strictly on Inside Out and like other um, forms of like inner like comedy, Pixar style comedy, because I have not been able to dig deep into it. But their comedy in the film is so true to life. It's kind of ridiculous. Like with the married couple, only if you've actually been in a really long-term relationship with someone, do you get kind of the joke, especially the dad part where inside the dad's head, you have his 
own emotions. And there's a great sequence where they're doing the countdown. Riley's giving him sass. And the one emotion's like, sir, we're detecting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 4. And they're all getting the keys out. The red lights are going. It's like, sir. And he goes, yes, sir. Um, And then she goes, just leave me alone. Okay. He goes, activate. And he like, they all flip the keys. They switch it. And he goes, sir, the foot is down. The foot is down. And he puts the foot down. And what does he say? Go to your room. And they're like, whew. Good job, boys. That could have been a disaster. And it flips to the mom's head and she's telling him, well, that was a disaster. (laughs) And it was so great. I loved it, dude. Like little bits like that. There's all of those spread out throughout the movie. It's great. Will, I have a question for you. Go for it. Why is it that Riley's little emotions, they just look like emotions. But then when you see those emotions in anybody else's head, they have like the same hairstyle as that person you know i actually looked into that and there wasn't anything specifically written about that looks like you're you and me are like maybe a part of a really small minority that doesn't have time and maybe i don't know resources to type up anything and publish it for everyone but i gotta assume that the reason why that is is also kind of like a visual aid so you don't get confused because if all their emotions kind of look the same You know what I mean? From person to person, if everyone had the same looking anger or the same looking fear or the same looking joy, it wouldn't work. But also, I will say this, the hierarchy, the structure between mom, dad and Riley, when you look in there, like joy seems to be the main leader at this time, right inside Riley's head. And then if you go over to dad's head, it looks like anger is more of the leader. He's more the boss of the other emotions, which I find hilarious. Um, because once again, it's just the angry dad trope, which is really good. And then you go to mom and it's actually sadness is more of the boss, but she's more level-headed about it. Like she's, she's not like looking like how sadness is in Riley's head. She's more business-like about it, but you can tell it's like the character of sadness. And it's funny as hell to see that, like how different personalities are run by different emotions kind of, and it's really cool. But yeah, the way they look, they, I guess they look like, mom or they look like dad and maybe that the riley's emotions i guess it's implied through that visual is like her emotions will look more like her later on who knows which will be hilarious actually it will be really funny i mean it just kind of like took me out of the movie a little bit (laughs) i know Match really <laughs> like the really pettiness. Like he's so petty. Oh. So petty. Oh man. He's so petty, dude. All right. Matt. So is there any other uh things before we go in? Because this is yeah. this is an interesting one to uh to do my vote on. Um so Matt, do you want to vote first? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid. I don't want to vote yet because I still want to talk about Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to delay the inevitable, I guess. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, well, this can one's I bring definitely fun facts about Pocahontas. Sure. Before I vote, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about how Jeffrey Katzenberg won a two hundred fifty million dollar lawsuit against Mike Eisner <laughs> and got uh, basically taken off of Disney right after, or I'm sorry, like right before, no, right after the release of uh, Pocahontas. Wait, why? Um, let me see here. It was the morning after former Disney Studios chief had scored a settlement in $250 million breach of contract suit. So it was a breach of contract. I don't know the specific details, but 
Also, there was a backstory of like Roy Disney wanting to get back in and take over Disney, but Mike Eisner kind of had a stranglehold on it. And Katzenberg was in charge of Disney animation. And um, he was kind of a stooge and an asshole to the animators. And, you know. Oh, that's no good. Yeah. And so like he just kind of. Gotta be nice to the animators, bro. Yeah. And he was the one that um, gave Pocahontas like all of its kind of typical Disneyisms. Like every time they tried to make it, I guess, a little bit more different, he was like, no, 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 let's, let's do the dance number here. Or I'm sorry, the musical number here. And let's. The dance number. Yeah. Right. This here. And like, I don't, I don't, I didn't have time to read up enough on it, to be honest, but maybe I can come back with some facts at a later time when we revisit certain things. The next round when Pocahontas goes through. Yeah. Right. But I think like a really funny fact, especially because Pocahontas really didn't do too well with the critics really is that like after the success of beauty and the beast everybody was like pocahontas is going to be our next movie that we can get nominated for best picture and this is like best live action picture which i don't think any other disney movie has done since or before beauty and the beast and it ends up being like one of the worst ones Hmm. and i think like a lot of the animators went to pocahontas and they didn't really have the a-team for the lion king but the lion king ended up being probably what you would say the lion king's probably the most popular disney film out there would you say that Um, i think i would say that i would say it's definitely up there it's definitely definitely top top three yeah, top three, top five, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say top three. Yeah, thinking about it. But I'll vote for Pocahontas. All right. So, Will, are you ready to drop yours down? Sure, but actually I did reading while you guys were talking. And it says here in a 1994 article with the Washington Post, says Katzenberg had campa- campaigned for anointment as Disney's second in command to Eisner since the death of Disney president, Frank Wells, Eisner's sagacious advisor. Um, he died in a helicopter crash, but Eisner Whoa. declined. Yeah. Eisner declined to make promises to young Katzenberg, despite Eisner's slow recovery from his own emergency heart bypass surgery earlier this summer. Instead, Eisner put up a swift end to the uncertainty yesterday, issuing a statement that Katzenberg will leave the company when his contract expires at the end of September. <laughs> Disney will split Katzenberg's film and TV domain in two with Hollywood veteran Joe Roth taking the helm. So like they just did a whole thing. <laughs> they just basically just gutted him. And then he um, did a, um, he sued them with that. Um, what is it? Uh, where was that? The, the contract uh, violation or whatever, whatever it said. Um, you know what I'm saying? And he got two fifty from uh, Disney from the mouse house itself because of it. But yeah. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes when crazy, made. but yeah, my vote. Um, <laughs> oh man, so tough. I don't know, you guys. I'm really. Uh, I mean, this vote is kind of a sham. Yeah, uh, I guess it's gonna be um, inside out. All right, go ahead. Go All ahead. right. So this is tough because uh, this is the first time where I hadn't watched the movies because we were trying this new format thing, and um, I feel like. I feel like not having seen the movie based on everything, Pocahontas seems like the more uh, controversial one. So that's the one that I kind of want to go to. 
but I feel like if I were to see the movies that I would definitely pick Inside Out, which leads me to, um, I mean, based off of like what I've seen or what I've heard. Um, but this is tough because the songs in Pocahontas were also bangers. I haven't seen Pocahontas since I was probably eight. So a little while ago. Um, or probably closer to like when it came out. So yeah, I probably would have been in kindergarten or first grade when I saw the movie. Hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think? Pocahontas. All right. Let's go with Pocahontas. Let's do it. Pocahontas, baby. No, but um, I'm going to pick Pocahontas. Nice. <laughs> what? Are you okay, Matt? I'm so happy. Psych. Inside out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I mean... Uh, I feel like it might have like damaged the sanctity of the bracket by uh, by not watching both movies. It's official. It's through. He's just the worst winner right now. He's the worst kind of winner. Like he feels good because his movie won, and now he's like, "Oh no!" Also, he texted me, "I will give you ten dollars if you vote for Pocahontas." Please tell me that's real. That's so hilarious. <laughs> Please tell me that's real so I can. Yeah. Laugh. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah. Oh, honestly, see, that's what I mean. Is I, I gotta admit, we had this whole debate before the podcast. Tax deductible. World, I have to tell you, we had a whole debate just trying to get Matt to actually record this one because he felt like Pocahontas <laughs> had no shot and he's a big baby. And I told him exactly what I'm about to tell you guys who are going to eventually listen to this. I don't care if the rest of the world likes a movie that I like. I like the movie for me. And I don't mm-hmm. care. I just want a chance yeah. to talk about Inside Out. I love talking about it. I don't care if it moves further in the bracket. I don't need it to win a bracket. This bracket is just a way for us to talk about movies, you guys. And we hope that you love listening. Yeah. And hopefully you guys go back and watch these movies and make up your own damn minds and make your own brackets. Yeah, and- please do uh, Do let us know. And send and, them um, to Zach. Email them to Zach. <laughs> or no, send them to the, uh, what is it? The, the Great Movie Showdown on Twitter. Yeah. Do it, please. Yeah, which by the time this goes up, we will definitely have a Twitter feed. Woo! Because I'm working on that tomorrow. So, but yeah, it is interesting because this like Inside Out, I feel like is very intriguing to me. It's definitely a movie that I want to see. I was, when I was touring Ringling College of Art and Design or whatever, they had, I guess, the, the short film that eventually became Inside Out was done there by students at Ringling. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I was like seeing weird stuff there that I guess led to that movie because they were showing it like in the front office or whatever and being like, oh, look, huh, it's inside out. And oh, that movie was made by Ringling. Ha <laughs> ha. And I'm like, what? That's weird. Okay. And then we went on with the tour. That's a story that meant nothing to anyone. <laughs> I don't know why I told it. Oh, because it's a cool story, man. Cool story, bro. Sure. Um, But yeah, so I definitely want to talk about Inside Out after I've actually seen it, because I feel like there's probably definitely a lot to unpack there. And in a way, I kind of feel like Inside Out was probably robbed in this bracket, because if I would have watched both movies, I definitely think I would have picked Inside Out. But I think that the contention for Pocahontas is definitely worth uh, noting. And I'm also... 
like I feel like Pixar should just sweep this bracket. And I feel like I feel like this is almost just like a sympathy play for Disney, but I'm not sure because I haven't watched both movies in so long. So you may have just gotten a sham of an episode, audience. <laughs> no way. Keep yeah. All right. So this has been the Great Movie Showdown. Oh, Thanks for joining us. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Uh, tell us you love it. Tell us you hate the format and you want us to kill ourselves. Let us know. <laughs> All right. So I've been Zach Twitty. Oh, well, there is one more thing that we've got to do. Oh, no. The Google Trends. What does the audience say? What do you folks at home think is the better movie? On Google Trends. Let's check it out. Oh, Inside Out dominates Pocahontas. Oh, shit. I voted for the wrong movie. All because Matt was so angry. And he also bribed you, don't forget. He did. <laughs> Can I change my votes to Inside Out? Nope. Absolutely not. Let's carry Pocahontas forward because I would love to see Matt cry when it loses in the next round. <laughs> All right, that's <laughs> fair. We're going to watch him get so mad and walk away and just be like, I can't do this. You guys just don't even care. And Will, don't you talk about the historical context of Pocahontas again. I swear to God, I'm fucking done. The exact number is (laughs) Inside Out at 57 and Pocahontas at 17. (laughs) I just feel like I can't wait for that. And that's all I want to do is bring up the historical events that have actually happened and compare them again just to make Matt mad. I'm like, just talk about the actual movie, Will. Okay. Anyone have anything else to say before I click stop? Yeah, I want to paint with all the colors of your wind, Matt. I love you, my sexy ginger. All right, this has been the Great Movie Showdown. Thank you for joining us, and I'll always remember to spay in your pets. This has been a nice throw production. Nice throw, Matt.